Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message. What does it take to become an author? How does one decide what to write about? What about sales and readership? It's an author seminar. It is free and it's live right here on Joy 99.7 FM. And as usual, grab your notebook and get ready. Nana Aredamwa holds a bachelor's and a master's degree in chemical engineering. You wonder what he's doing as an author. His writings came to the fore with short stories which are frequently published in the Mirror and Spectator. He has also published online with works of fiction like Truth Floats and Hope Deferred, among others. He publishes materials frequently on Facebook and in the Business and Financial Times, where he has a weekly column. His main published works are reflective essays and poems. His first was Excursions in My Mind, published by Athena Press UK in October 2008, with Through the Gates of Thought about to be published. Alba Kunedu Sumprim is still having to answer questions about whether she is Ghanaian or a Ghanaian. She has been writing for as long as she can remember. She graduated from film school in Cuba as an editor and worked on several short and independent film projects in Cuba and London before moving back to Ghana, where she now earns her living writing screenplays, television programs, producing and directing TV commercials. She has been on the writing and editing team of the BBC World Service and is the author of the very hilarious book, The Imported Ghanaian, with a new one about to be released. What was the title? Place of beautiful nonsense. A place of beautiful nonsense. All right. Cool. You have an idea about who I have in the studio. Nana and Alba, welcome to Springboard. Thanks, Hi, Albert. Good evening. Yeah, it promises to be an exciting evening talking about my favorite subject, book writing. Let me start with you, Nana. When did you realize you become a writer? Well, I I think, let me, let me put it this way. I, I have I had developed interest in writing right from secondary school. And um, I'm, I'm still looking for two, one, one teacher of mine, an English teacher, around Form 3, who, who was quite interested and gave me more, more essays to write and fed back to me uh, beyond what we, we had in class. So his interest triggered that, that writing skill uh, in me. But when I really, really think, it goes back to Form 1, when I wrote a creative essay called A Day in Cartage. And it was a history essay. You know, so from that and, and the feedback I had from my history teacher, I realized that I could be creative. So it goes way back to the 80s. So a history teacher at large and an English teacher at large. Yeah. Right. We'll put out the advert and see what we can do about that. <laughs> Alba, what about you? When did he thank you or when did he decide or find out that you're going to be a writer? Um, I don't know. I mean... I started from a very young age, I mean, from about the ages of from 12 to 20, I kept a daily diary. There's eight years of my life where every single day is accounted for what I thought at that time. And and so I've always been writing. Do you still have those diaries? I still have those diaries. And I look at them sometime and I'm like, who is that person? Because, <laughs> you know, the thoughts coming out of a 13-year-old mind. And then all of a sudden now I'm looking, I'm thinking, gosh, you are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's a friend of my father's. I went to stay with in Pittsburgh. 
And I was telling her, I mean, I travel a lot and I go to really interesting places. And I, I've been to Afghanistan, I've been to Kashmir, I've been to, you know, really interesting, cool places. And she said to me, right, you, you, you have such amazing stories and amazing things happen to you when you travel. Just write. And just, I just wrote, wrote, wrote. And, um, and then I think uh, my first sort of public piece of writing that, really went out was, you know, with my column when I came to Ghana and I went to the Daily Dispatch and Ben liked what I wrote and from then it's that's when it took off and I don't know if I've sort of stopped to realise whether I am a writer yet. I mean, right? It's an evolving story. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> right. Um, I, I, I got the privilege of seeing both both your books, I mean, Excursions in My Mind and then The Imported Ghanaian, which my son Juju is very, very fond of. I remember when we got it the first time. <laughs> and these are both excellent pieces of literary work and I look, I look at them and I see they probably will fall into the hall of fame that I'm dreaming about one day. Is this something that you want to continue doing or it's something that you want to call a flash in the pan? No, no. Well, I, 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 I have read uh, this line which always keeps uh, recurring to me that if you stop writing, you cease to be called a writer. I mean, you are only entitled to that title if you keep on writing. So for me, it is uh, an ongoing thing. Uh, it is something that I, I like doing and I still do. And I guess we get to that point, but for me, it is about what I consider to get out of writing. It is a personal ministry. Okay, so I see it as a pact I have uh, with, with, with my maker to ensure that what, what occurs to me, I can share uh, with people. So because I keep a blog and I have sort of a, a covenant with my readers, from time to time, there must be something that goes out. And because there is material which is being developed, then the books can keep on being churned out. And that, that's, that, that brings me to my, one of the things I'm very curious about. Is it the readers that keep you going? something burning on the inside of you that keeps you going. It's like a crusade, something that you feel you must achieve. Is it something that you just wake up and you know, I must, I must do this? For your first one, Albert, what pushed you? Um, for my first one, obviously, um, it came out of a column and I used to get a lot of feedback. And, you know, um, I remember writing something about rubbish. No, I was I was interviewed on Time with David, and I, I talked about the domino effect of some of our actions. And I remember after the interview, the next day I was in the bank, and the teller was trying to get my attention to call me to come to front. I'm like, you know, hold on, there are people in front of me. And I got there, and she said, you know, I listened to what you said about dropping rubbish, and now... I've told my children, if they've eaten sweets or biscuits, they should keep the wrappers with them. And when they get home or somewhere, they should, you know, drop it in a bin. And all you need is one person to say that to you. And, you know, things happen in ripples. It's just like a drop in the ocean. And if you get two or three or four or five people who agree or who say, yes, you've made a point and... I think you're right, and it's going to affect 
my behavior, then, I mean, it's like amazing. It's like you just don't want to stop, and it just fires me up each time. So fulfillment is one of the key things. Yeah, each time somebody says, you know, your words had an impact on me. Right. Is writing learnable, or is an art that people are born with, and if you are not born with it, finished? I think it's, I think it's, I, I think talent alone isn't, um, you need talent, but you also need to work on it. I mean, as, as writers, and I'm sure Nana agrees with me, we read an awful lot. We read an awful lot of literature. I mean, and I mean, I mean, I read everything, um, you know, from detective to romance to thrillers to biographies to the Bible to whatever, and you get inspiration f- from, you know. Resources. Yes, yeah, so I think you need talent. I think you need to have the interest and the passion. But then you also need to learn a lot, and you learn from other writers and and from life, and you you will find that as your your writing over the years, your writing style does change because of the influences on your life, because of the people who've come into your life, because of the things that have happened to you. Nana, what, what do you think about this? Um, two things. Uh, a friend of mine says I I read uh, indiscriminately, yeah. <laughs> but to to answer your question, I learned in ninety two from uh, um, the step magazine man called uh, Lawrence Dramani that writing is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. (laughs) So the talent is just the basic, but you must work hard on it. Yeah. So 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. If you are writing a formula for how to become an author, this is a good start for you. And just in case you just joined us, this is the voice of Nana Redamua, um, author of Excursions in My Mind and on uh, writing the middle, of course, you can see on radio. Mm. I have Alba uh, Kunadisum Prem. Did I pronounce it correctly? Yes, you did. Okay, the author of the... Um, Imported the imported Ghanaian. Ghanaian. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably have to do some exporting tonight. <laughs> right, you're talking about how to become a best-selling author, and so far, talking about whether writing is an art or a skill, we've learned that it's talent, it's work, you need to read a lot, get inspiration from various sources, you must have an interest and a passion, learn from other writers, learn from other people, or learn from life, sorry, and then 1% inspiration, and then 99% perspiration. Um, what kind of books? Sorry, and the other thing I wanted to add to is you need to write. You just need to constantly write. You, yeah. you literally have to write every day. And there are days that you can work for six to seven hours and you get to the end of it and you realize that a very small fraction of it is what you can use and that the rest is is just... For the the records. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for the records. But you meet people who tell you they want to do that big. They're looking for an opportunity for somebody to publish them. They they think they are writers. They have not sent their story to any column in any paper. They have not tried doing my turn in that small column in graphic. They have not posted anything on any blog. They haven't done anything. And they want to go straight to be published and they are waiting for that big break and it's not coming and and so i find your point about writing every day very instructive because you need to start from somewhere Mm. and then as you build your muscles and you get confident and comfortable 
then we can talk about publishing for a wider range of people. Well, like, like Alba said, I readers read a lot, and I like to take a lot of inspiration from what other people have said. And there is this uh, guy called Gerard Brennan, and he said, and I quote, it is by sitting down to write every morning that one becomes a writer. Those who do not do this remain amateurs, mm. unquote. For me, if you would want to, to be a published writer, two, two points I would make. First of all, approach it like you would approach eating an elephant. Hey. One chunk at a time. It's <laughs> a new one. You eat it one chunk at a time because if you want to take it at one go, the elephant will end up swallowing you. Okay, but in, in this era of the internet, it is only a lazy writer who will say that he or she does not have avenues to publish. Right. Because there is a blog. You can send it by email to friends. And you know what? In 94, sorry, in 2004, I decided that I will stop forwarding chain mails. Whatever I send to my colleagues or my friends will be original things that I generate. Mm. And that was the beginning of excursions in my mind. Right. So... If you would be original and you would decide that you would, instead of uh, forwarding chain wheels as a writer, you would share your own writings with people. Facebook is there. It's free of charge. Free. Publish on it in the nose column. Should I tell people you your, your official position on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a full soldier. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. So please, there are avenues. Yes. So develop that. Get feedback. Generate your own work. And clearly, you'll be on the, on the way towards becoming that big writer or, or, or author that you, you, you dream of. These are very useful tips you're giving. I hope you want to add something. Equally, you can join writers' clubs on the Internet. I yeah. mean, there are lots and lots of um, sites where you can go and learn writing tips. And then there are people who belong to clubs. And you can post your work, and other people will critique your work and give you feedback, and you can read other people's work and give them feedback. There are certain sites where you have to review a minimum of two or three pieces of work each month to be a part of it. So all the writers are constantly critiquing, giving each other's ideas. And so, you know, if you feel shy about, um, you know, maybe putting your work out to people you know because you're, you might be scared. You know, writers have very fragile egos and, you know, you do your work and you think it's amazing. And it's a lot easier that an anonymous person sitting in Iceland somewhere, you know, says, well, you know, I think, and, you know, they give you some credit, and you, and you take it a lot better than a friend saying, this is rubbish. No matter who's coming from, you need, you need some amount of humility to be able to accept that yeah. sometimes half of what you've done must be read and look at your, doing your, doing your thesis. I mean, the supervisor says, you went off on a tangent. You, you literally have answered the wrong, set your own question and answered <laughs> it. So you need to restart and, and that can be very tough. Let me, let me take you back two steps. What kind of, um, what sells? What kind of books sell? Religious books sell. Yeah. Um, I'm sure romance sells. Twice I've heard that in one week. Um, apart from that, I am not really sure. Of those two, I'm very sure. Nana, what do you think? I would agree. Um, but I, I, would, I would generalize it and, and try to be a, a bit controversial. I, and, and link it to the point where we sometimes say that people don't read. I, I, I guess that people read what becomes relevant 
to them and they can identify with you know so um we, we are still we are now beginning to redevelop our love for african literature you know the pacers and all the african writers series i think those ones also sell um yeah i would i would add that to to, to it and and uh, people are beginning to love essays uh, and articles now but clearly religious um, uh, stuff novels and then articles those those will be selling now would you say that what sells drives determines what people write or what they are i'm I'm just trying to find out when an author wants to write is it the market forces that drive them to write about something or what they have an exposure a skill or a talent in And, and and that's something that is on my mind well i mean for the imported Ghanaian. I wrote that for me. Um, I'd come back home, and you know, you come back. Um, I was born in Britain. My parents are Ghanaian. I was born in Britain. I spent a few years in Ghana as a child, but mainly I was brought up in Britain and in Cuba. I mean, two cultures that are Damn sort of and then after film school and then going back to England and working on some film projects and stuff, you know, I decide, you know, I'm coming back to Ghana. And you, you have this idea that, you know, you're going to come and it's going to be that whole Aquaba routine and everybody's going to welcome you and you're just going to slide in and just fit in with the ease of a chameleon. Yeah. And you get here and there's this big sign pointing to you eternally going, it's an imported one. And everyone's giving you all the reasons why you're not a Ghanaian. I mean, I still get it. And so really my column came out of my frustrations. <laughs> about not being accepted and my observations on my society that I was having a a little issue fitting in and then once the columns started coming out all these people started writing to me and going I know exactly what you mean you're talking about my life and then finally what made it a book was somebody at one of the embassies here in Ghana says Please write a book. I have stacks of newspapers. <laughs> Can't you just put it all in one place? And I thought, but I was scared because I thought people would be angry at me about your thoughts, my thoughts. But then after the third or fourth person said, you know, this thing would really be funny if it were in a book. And then to soften the blow... <laughs> you put in the cartoons. I, I put in the cartoons and, 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 and also looked for satire and comedy within the, uh, all the yeah. situations I encountered and that was my saving grace. But from the realist point of view, I'll tell you, that broadened the scope because when, well, from the reader's perspective, when I read in the imported Ghanaian, that's what I found interesting about it, the, the, the humor. Mm. The, you're talking about something very serious, and yet you can find the space and the time to make it funny, make it um, humorous, hilarious. And then the cartoons, I, yesterday I checked out the cartoons again on the internet, and I still found them very, very interesting. And those are the things that I think many authors need to bring to bear on their writings to make them, make them different. Now, now, you've done something on a subject that I don't, I typically will say it's not common. I mean, essays and articles, etc. There's something you, you both have in common, but reflective essays and articles, I typically wouldn't have 
thought of that as an area to explore? You've done short stories, I've seen them, and yet you chose to do this one. Why is that? I agree with Alba that uh, primarily, well, you look at your, your readers, but you, you also look at what you want to, to, to uh, disseminate. Okay, so um, for me, I, I, I found that I could influence society in picking simple lessons from everyday life and sharing them. And I also had encouragement from my, my readers, just like you said. So, so that also uh, brings, brings in uh, the, 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 the motivation uh, to go on. But Albert, I would add that the era of self-publishing is also expanding the frontiers yeah. of what writers can do now. Because <clears throat> if you were depending only on traditional publishers, then they will look at the, the, the market and decide that this is what the market wants. So that's where I want to push my support. But now, authors are taking their destiny into their own hands and saying that we will take the risk, we will self-publish, we will put the, 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 the message out there, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, so self-publishing is also changing the dynamics so very, very, very interestingly. So literally, an individual can say, well, as long as I can manage to mobilize the resources, I'll put my thoughts out there. If 10 people read it, so be it. If 1,000 people read it, praise the Lord. I'll give you an example. For instance, poetry is hardly published by traditional publishers. So if you're a poet out there, you may have to really go out and, and put your works out there by yourself. Somebody has um, something they want to write about. They sit down and they want to start. Alba, how do you start? I think usually, um, okay, let me just take me as an example. Um, I write sometimes just based on an idea, um, based on just a word. I mean, once I wrote several articles on the word spontaneous combustion, just on the word. You get an idea, you hear a snippet of a conversation, a joke, and something spins off in your mind. And you just start writing, and sometimes when you start, there really isn't any direction. But you're just there, you're excited, and everything's just flowing. And then somewhere along the line, you actually fall on the path, or you... And it, sometimes it can be... I don't think it's unconscious. I think your subconscious is working on it. And then somewhere along the line, everything seems to connect and it, it comes out. But you, you, need, you have to get to a point where you stop thinking and you start writing. And I don't think you should be so specific on it has to be this theme and it has to be perfect from the beginning. Because obviously you write and then you start molding it. It's like a piece of clay. Okay. And you start molding. There's a process. Uncertainty. Yes, there has to be. Right. Now, now, is that your experience? Just to add two things, I agree with her, um, but also that there is nothing like good writing. There is only good rewriting. So, and my other principle that I use for myself is that let the sun go down on your writing. So, write it out, but let it at least thaw overnight. Come to it again, and you realize that there there is a lot you you can you can add. And, and, and prune, but never send out your first draft. Right. Never. So, I, I, I think I can identify with <laughs> Right, so you write, and then sometimes the rewriting takes 
much more time than exactly. even the writing because that's what, that's the difference between a good script and a bad script. That's true. Mm. Right. Let me let me give you a quotation from Samuel Johnson that I found somewhere. Um, he says, "Your manuscript is both good and original, but the part that is good is not original, and the part that is original is not good." <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is a similar quotation by, by Mark Twain. He says, it is only Adam who, when he says something new, it had not been said, said before. Everything else, <laughs> everything else is, is written or said before. That's yeah. true. Right. And I mean, for instance, I, I love what I call one-liners because usually when I write, I like my writing to be visual. Mm. I like somebody to read it and, and already a picture forms in their head. So whenever I'm reading any kind of book, the moment I come across what I call a one-liner, you know, um, and for instance, I'll give you one that I always remember for, for the th fact of one liners. I was reading a thriller where somebody talks about an author in this thriller and says he's got more one liners than a Coke dealer. Wow. You know, and mm. I love those kind of very sort of sharp Elmore Leonard kind of sharp, witty, you know, um, one liners. So whenever I come across those, I, I have a file and I've got, a, a, you know, at least 500 from Oscar Wilde to whoever. Are you a wordsmith? What's a wordsmith? Somebody who loves and plays with words. Yeah, and um, I, I use, I'll go through phases where I try and sort of learn five to ten new words each day and then I use them at every opportunity. Spontaneous, spontaneous <laughs> <words>. combustion. combustion. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, once I grab hold of a word, I try and weave it. I get excited. I like I like the way a word feels in your mouth and you know when you say it and how it sounds and how it makes you feel and you know. Are there different kinds of authors? Yeah. Definitely. Def definitely there are and m most of the most of the time they also link to the the type of composition that you you, you are doing because yes. The, the type of composition, whether it's a novel and um, a creative nonfiction, it's poetry, comes with its own style. And if if you specialize and, and you delve into, into your, your your speciality, then you begin to have your own typeset uh, being being developed. So clearly, there there, there are there, there are different types. But I, I see that most times people blend, and I I like it when you you have a blend because then. If, if say, you, you are a journalist and you are reporting a story, if you can bring a bit of creativity, even in how the story is being done, then you are a journalist, a news journalist, but at the same time, you are a creative writer. You know, so then you are blending the styles and, and, and making the, the, the composition uh, really interesting. Let's talk about editors. What, how important are they in, in, in what you do? Very important, very, very important. important, and and um, for for discussions in my mind, my publishers are in in the UK, so I have editors who sit in the UK, and they they bring their own uh, sort of uh, feel and influence on the work. And one thing they told me, which is interesting, that within West Africa, the use of the the, the conditional um, verb would and could. It's different. We understand it our own way, but it is not understood globally. <laughs> so editors bring their their own nuances 
earn a lot of influence on, on their work. So if you would go out there to, to publish your work, please, please, please uh, don't do it without an editor. It's very important. And you know sometimes you are blind to your own works. Yeah. You get so much in love with your work that you, when you are reading, you are reading what is in your mind. Not with some people. Exactly. Ooh, I'm going to make a confession. <laughs> because with the imported Ghanaian, I edited it myself. I wrote it. Um, I had somebody look at it. Um, but I didn't think... Uh, you, you see, there's also this other thing in Ghana. People want to be nice. And when you produce a piece of work, what you need is somebody with some brute honesty. But when people are trying to be nice, and they say, well, you know, this one is okay. And, you know, they make a few things which, which are actually a proofreader's job. And not an editor's job. So basically when I got it... Just for purposes of clarity, um, distinguish the proofreader from the editor, just for the benefit of our listeners. Well, uh, I, I mean, for me, my uh, proofreader, you know, checks your typing and your grammar and your punctuations and, you know, those those basic things. But the editor is about, it's about the idea, it's about the piece. It's about creating the strongest picture um, and so what I did was I put it down for six months. I didn't touch it, and I went on to everything else. And then I picked it up, and I started reading. And at any point I started getting bored, I was like, there's a problem here. And so the book actually started off a bit longer than it was. I junked out a whole bunch of stuff. And the moment I started getting bored or I felt it was slowing down, I was like, if I have a problem with it, other people are going to have a problem with it. Right. And then after I did that next draft, I gave it to somebody else, and, and then that's when we, we got it through. Are you on a crusade? Am I on a crusade? I think... Um, a few years ago, yes, I would have said I was bloodying my head against the proverbial wall that is called our beloved Ghana. <laughs> um, but you you kind of get to the point where you think... And David Ampofo asked me this on the program. He said, Alva, aren't you swimming against the current? And, yeah, you, you have to because... Um, Rebels change the world. It's not. It's not. It's not everybody who's towing the line and being good and saying, "Well, okay." It's it's the ones who go out and say, "Well, you know, I don't agree with this, or I think, you know, we can do things differently." What will constitute success for you as, an, as, as a writer? To see a crowd really clean. My biggest beef is the filth. I, you know, I think Ghana is an absolutely amazing country. I mean, I travel a lot and the moment I'm out of Ghana, I miss it like crazy. <laughs> and the moment I come back, I'm like, you know, I hit the airport and, and the grief starts and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, there's a plane about to leave. Um, and I think we have everything going for us. We've got amazing people, amazingly smart people and everything. We need to tweak our attitudes and behavior. That's, that's, that's what you write about. Yeah. In, in a sense. Now, is it true that every writer has one message, different expressions? <coughs> ah, 
It's a very interesting question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe most writers want to influence something. So that, that's, that's the one message. So how it comes out, that, that's a different expression. But clearly, every writer has uh, an aim, wants to achieve something, um, wants to, to change um, society, wants to influence thoughts, wants to leave a legacy and leave his or her thoughts behind. Th- those are the things that come out uh, for me in, 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 in what people do, uh, want to achieve through their writing. If a young author is still in front of you right now, three things you want to tell them to help them excel as writers. Right, right, right. I think you also need to live. Um, you you need to you need to be out and about. I think you also need to be exceptionally observant, and you know, be good at watching people and and taking in situations. But yeah, they need to write and. Um, and to observe the world and to enjoy what they do. Right. So write, write, write. Enjoy what you do. Observe the world and be good at taking notes. Right. And now what, what would be the three things you would tell? Similar. Get into the habit of writing every day. Uh, read a lot because it is only avid re- uh, readers who become uh, good writers. And then have fun. Have fun uh, with, with what you do, uh, with what you write, and then uh, try to influence at least one mind. Right. Earlier, somebody sent a text. What if you publish your ideas and they get, to, they get stolen? Um, well, once it's published and it's out there, it's yours, isn't it? I mean, is the person talking about piracy, where somebody takes your book and prints copies and has them sold? Or I, I think here it's difficult. Maybe how did you? Because for me, my publisher did all the copyright stuff, and and no, it's not, and, it's not and, about piracy. The, the person's concern, for instance, that, is that you put your your thoughts. For you, you published in the newspaper for for years. Yeah. And then you went ahead and he's thinking, what if somebody picks the idea and then goes? Oh, okay, the same. I, I published on the blog for exactly. at least five years before I published it. But but I mean, there there there's another thing. When something comes from you. Somebody can take your idea, but what they produce is never what it is. Okay. And equally, I think if um, somebody quotes me or or takes something from work I've done, I see it as a compliment. I think imitation is uh, is one of the highest form of flattery <laughs> a person could receive but I think you need to take risks and I mean like as Nana and I both saying you, you know people are sitting there and they're waiting for that big break but we and lots of other people out there took the risks, saved your money and went for it and self-published and um you know, and now you're here, and big things, uh, bigger things we hope will come out of all of this. Right, right. Let me just read you, uh, before I ask for a closing thoughts, let me read you um, the 10 points I gathered from skills to become a best-selling author from the two of you, just for the benefit of our readers. Number one, talent, work, and read a lot. You need to have the talent, you need to work at it, and you need to read a lot. Number two, inspiration from various sources number three interest passion and have fun 
Number four, be observant and good at watching situations. Number five, learn from other writers. Six, learn from everyday situations. Number seven, I wrote down 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Number eight, write every day, sometimes for hours on end. You give us a quotation from Gerald Brennan mm-hmm. to that effect. Number 19, possibly join a writer's club. Mm-hmm. Um, where you post your work and have it critiqued by others. Number 10, write on a blog on Facebook um, to your, your, your group of friends, etc. <coughs> right. And then when you start to develop your script, um, get the idea or, or stumble on something is what, what, what came up as the starting point or the trigger point. Number two, brood over it and sometimes it's directionless at that point. Number three, start at a point and navigate your way forward. Number four, allow time. Cut, chop to perfect it, but allow time. Number five, there is nothing like good writing. There is only good rewriting. Number six, let the sun go down on your writing. Number seven, identify one-liners. Number eight, you need a good professional, and if I may add, brutally frank editor. Mm-hmm. Number nine, you need a good proofreader, and you want to give me a tenth one? No, I just wanted to go back. Um, I think it was number three. Could you read that one again? Start and navigate your way forward. Okay, sometimes you can actually start at the end. You can start from the conclusion. Yeah. Sometimes the, the, the final thing, you know, all of a sudden, boom, and you get the final story, and you can just work your way backwards. You, you can start in the middle. It's not a linear thing, writing. Right. And that's the artistic part of writing. Your closing thoughts in half a minute. In, if, in your writing, uh, have a dream. So think big, start small, move fast, don't stop. Thank you. Think big, start small, move fast, don't stop, Alba. Enjoy it, be passionate about it, and just don't give up because it's only quitters who give up. Winners just go on and on and on and on, and then you will win. It's, that's it. That's one thing you both have in common. Mm. Go on and you will win. Do it. <laughs> yeah, as good old Nike would say. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had fun listening to you both. Alba. Kunadi Supreme, the altar of the imported Ghanaian and the yet-to-be-published The Land of... A place of beautiful nonsense. I need to hear the title over and over again. <laughs> and Nana Aredamwa, the author of Excursions in My Mind and the yet-to-be-published Through the Gates of Through Thought. Through the Gates of Thought. And so through the gates of your virtual university, we come to the end of our seminar for tonight. Thank you to Nana and Alba for the important insights. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 Zero, zero, zero. You may also subscribe to Amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,